Everybody. Oh, forgot to turn the delay off. Sorry about that. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Hi. Hi. Hey. <laughs> so we just had a little bit of a scare because uh, Matthias's laptop uh, started doing weird things. Still no idea what it uh, what it what the problem was, right? <laughs> okay, let's keep our fingers crossed uh, for it not to happen again. Um, so Matthias, uh, joining us from Paris is with us. Yep. How are you, man? Other than um, worried about the computer? <laughs> yeah, a bit of a scare in the last five minutes, but uh, I'm doing fine now. Good stuff. Um, right. Yeah. So where are you joining us from? It looks like a very uh, sophisticated uh, environment where you are. Well, you know, it's just work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to you uh, from uh, from the one of the three studios here at uh, GRM in Paris. Wonderful. What an honor. My, it's, it's mine too. A legendary place. Yeah. Mm. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about that uh, later on. Uh, let me first introduce um, Tom Whitwell, also joining us uh, from his studio from London, right? Hi, yeah. Uh, yes, I'm in the um, substantially less uh, impressive and historical <laughs> location of uh, a shed at the bottom of my garden. So I'm very pleased to be here. Welcome. Nice to have you, man. Um, and uh, I, I, I understand it's a very hot day over there. Very, very hot. You're going to see me getting kind of pinker and pinker and pinker. As you're talking, I think. So I apologise for that. Like the like the English tourist turning into a shrimp cocktail. Uh, That's exactly yeah. what, I'm, what I'm planning to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice one. Good to have you and Megan joining us from down the street, <laughs> almost yeah. Rotterdam. Yeah. My homegirl. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Megan? I'm good. Happy to be here. Yeah. Nice to have you. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've uh, been together here in the studio and uh, done some stuff together, but uh, never uh, talked uh, on the Nobtweilers Hangout. So good to have no. you. How was your day? What do you be working on? Uh, well, I've had a pretty quiet day. I've been working uh, on an album for a little bit. And uh, I didn't do much today, actually. <laughs> Just chilled a bit. <laughs> and uh, enjoying your new, new pair of headphones. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Definitely. How are they? Yeah, nice. They're working nicely. Cool. Yeah, it's always good to have a, a clearer picture of what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's uh, the the biodynamics, right? The same ones yes. I'm, I'm wearing. Yeah. yeah. The same one. Yeah. Yeah, you can actually mix on them if you if you're uh, if you're not driving them driving them too loud. You know, they're uh, they're pretty uh, open and honest. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm using them for. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Cool. So um, yeah, I I, um, I bumped into uh, I stumbled upon uh, Matthias's music. Uh, actually, I mentioned already in, in in the private chat, and I was like, man, the sound design in this is just mind blowing. I got to talk to this guy, <laughs> finding out about all the secrets. 
And then I also find found out that you are actually uh, a developer and uh, doing work for GRM. And uh, you were the creator of the uh, damn. What's the name? The the one for the the native the mutable instruments. The parasite. Uh, the parasite OSs, yes, the alternative ones. Yeah, I mean, th that's that's some pretty incredible disciplines combined. Um, I'm always wondering with people that do the types of disciplines and the different disciplines of, of work, like being a musician, being a programmer, um, you know, what, how, how you can actually combine these things, you know, and there's not many people who can do both well, you know, you're either a good programmer or a good musician. Uh, but you seem to be very accomplished in both. So <laughs> how does it work for you? How do you manage the time and how do you, uh, the time how, is are you able, how are you able to split up your brain between the two disciplines and stuff like that that I'm, I'm interested in? Yeah, the, the time is always the problem, right? It's the main problem, how to find the time in the, in the schedule. And uh, I had an ex uh, the incredibly busy last year, for example. I didn't do much, so I... I, I had to prioritize, uh, I mean, work, which is not uh, music. Music is more the hobby side of things, let's say. Uh, uh, a special kind of a hobby but, to me, but it's, uh, it's still something that doesn't, I mean, bring, the, bring, bring back the money so much. Um, how I... Uh, so actually, the, the, story, the story is uh, that... Um, I, uh, I I bought my first uh, uh, hardware synth and, and instruments uh, not too long ago in 2000, uh, 2014. Uh, my first modular synth, and um, it was a uh, it was an incredible discovery. And I I, I thought it brought the two worlds kind of together. It was not like you know uh, uh, learning the piano or learning a, 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 a traditional instrument it was a little bit nerdy also so it was more to my, my, my nerdy side and at the time i was a, i was a, not a programmer and i was not a musician i, I was a researcher in computer science so uh, uh, most of my adult life uh, uh, was spent doing uh, research in computer science in a field that has nothing to do with uh, with music at all and um, and so I got uh, distracted by this new instrument. And uh, inside this new instrument, uh, I got uh, distracted by this, uh, the, by some particular brands that I uh, 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 looked up to uh, uh, very, uh, uh, very quickly and realized that uh, uh, it was also an, uh, a, f a form of, uh, of uh, art, uh, uh, how do you say arts um, of, uh, of craft to be able to uh, uh, make make su such an instrument? And some of the some of the modules I, I had, uh, especially the mutable instruments, had uh, uh, open source firmware could be uh, could be reprogrammed for other functions. So I kind of uh, uh, you know uh, uh, embarked into the rabbit hole inside the rabbit <laughs> hole. <laughs> Of saying like, huh? Wait, this knob doesn't go as far as I uh, as I'd like it to go. Uh, uh, maybe I can just change that little constant in the code uh, to make it uh, like to make the range a little bit more uh, uh, pleasing to my ears. And then 
So I I was uh, I was uh, you know uh, looking at the code at work when I was uh, when I was bored, looking at the the the, the, the open source code, and then at night uh, trying it out, trying the changes out, and it just got out of control from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy you did because uh, it it definitely adds um, a whole lot of features and and uh, and sonic uh, range to uh, to those uh, mutables. That's that's. Mm pretty cool but i don't recommend doing this but if you so parasites uh, mm. uh, to, to my mind now is a very old project and i i, I don't even look at it anymore the, the, the i don't want to have a look at the code i wrote at the at the time uh, it must it must be awful but um, uh, uh, if you follow the the versions the, the successive versions on my github page or on the on the page of the project you can kind of see <laughs> still this uh, uh, me going down the rabbit hole like you know the first version was just i tweaked that button i tweaked that mm. button and that's it and then the second one and the third one and then a new mode completely changing the functions and blah 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 yeah it's but, like uh, but but what's the the main reason to to go into this rabbit hole um um like um what's the motivation to uh to actually increase the range like for musical purposes or was it just curiosity about how how these how the code worked and and you know to find out what you could do with it huh. i'm ha i'm i'm um, i'm i'm because you, you started to do it for your own purposes right and then you shared uh, it yeah i'm eager to to uh to to know your 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 opinion about this but to me it was all Oh, uh, it was uh, 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 the same thing. I mean, right, uh, okay. the same curiosity that brings you to uh, uh, make a patch uh, with some kind of weird feedback loop that uh, uh, gets out of control in a way that uh, you didn't that you didn't plan to, and uh, the same curiosity as uh, uh, like changing this bit of code there, changing this bit of code, and looking, seeing what. Uh, what uh, what comes out? I mean, right. it was the beginning. Now, I mean, uh, to me, it's much more predictable now. Uh, I, I I got progressively all the theory and all the the BSP and the programming that goes with it. Uh, but at the time, it was the, the 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 curiosity and the musical impulse. But to me, it, they were both uh, they were the two sides of the same thing. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but still, you know, there's only a few people who would actually, you know, most most of us, I guess, you know, they accept the range of the instrument and kind of, you know, uh, work with it, you know, and, and in, instead of uh, really sort of go in and, 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 and spend time to to um, uh, to increase possibilities or whatever, you know, it's a... Um, well, there are more and more of the of the, of the, the this kind of people i mean as the modular synth and synth community in general grew i think the the so the diy side of things tom you'll probably uh, have to say something much more intelligent about it <laughs> yeah tom tom must also be a very curious guy if you <laughs> yes, yeah uh, but uh, well, yeah yeah i, I think the, you're right it's much sorry go ahead. no as i said i think you know it's absolutely more and more, I think modular is a, is a real gateway into that because you you suddenly lose the idea of having a single a single instrument that that works together, and you have to 
you know, as you know, you have, you have to make that instrument every time you you use it. Um, and I, I, I think that difference between uh, even a semi-modular synth or, a, you know, or a kind of closed architecture synth and something modular is, it does, you know, it, it, if you if you don't enjoy that kind of, in, you know, inquisitiveness on the wanting to build it, then it's just a really difficult fiddly device to use. I mean, it's like it's a, <laughs> it's a you know, you're, you're, com you're having to commit to that kind of investigation with it, I think. I don't know. That's the way, the way I see it. Well, so what what uh, made you decide eventually to start building your your own instruments? I I think I I was I, I'm definitely not the kind of um, you know double threat that Matthias has of actually being good at making music and being good at making devices or making software, which he does. So I I kind of realized quite early on that my my contributions to the world would probably not be musical, you know, as, as somebody making <laughs> stuff and actually, you know, anyone wanting to listen to it or, or, you know, on that side of it. But my, I mean, my background is in journalism. So I started off, I started music thing as a blog in the 19, in the 2004, 2005, and then was just always into, into music gear and into, into, what can you do with it? It's interesting. When when that whole sort of open source hardware stuff started, the DIY scene started, just gradually got into playing with that. And and exactly as Matthias describes, you you start by pulling this kind of little thread and trying something. And then suddenly, like, you know, eight years later, you're sitting in a room <laughs> full of like <laughs> oscilloscopes and power supplies and you you know, you just, you know, your desk is covered in this stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it is, I think it's exactly as Matthias said, it's a rabbit hole and you just rabbit get hole inside of a rabbit hole. Mm. Yeah, it, it's exactly that. But, and, and as you learn, I think that's, that's what I found was just, it was such a, a kind of steep, but exciting kind of learning curve you go through where you, you do something that seems kind of impossible. I mean, I remember my my how I know Matthias is from my when I have to do bits of coding in in sort of devices I make. I I don't feel good or confident at all about the sort of programming side of it. And occasionally, you know, Matthias is this kind of you know godlike figure on the end of a Facebook <laughs> chat, and I'd be like, I have no idea how to do this at all. And Matthias would be like, you know. Have I explained how numbers work in computers to you? And I'd be like, I don't think so, no. <laughs> uh, but then he would be like, try this. And it would just like unlock this whole new world of understanding in it. Uh, so that that process of learning and discovery and of kind of sharing information as well, I think, um, you know, it's that. So if if you do get into that rabbit hole, you just you just keep at it, I think. Awesome. And the, word, the, the, the key word for, uh, you'll tell me if you agree, the key word for, for uh, the, 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 what you describe, Joachim, the, the, uh, uh, how, how you get into this is, uh, is the experience for us both and for users, uh, the experience of uh, reductionism. So uh, the, 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 the experience of, uh, so maybe in the 90s you, you bought a, uh, Rompler, and you you knew the menus by hand by, by, by heart, 
and you knew how to plug it in and out, but uh, that was it. That was your, your box. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that uh, you, you re- read some magazines and you read online then, etc. And you realize that actually the thing, if you open it, it comprises of several different parts that interact together. And these parts in turn, blah, 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 blah. And you experience the fact that um, what you were uh, seeing before as a, as a, as a monolith, uh, uh, if you... It, the, the, uh, uh, if you reduce it to the to the its components to the parts it's it, uh, it's made of, uh, suddenly uh, a bit magically, I think it becomes something else. So uh, you you subtract everything, uh, you understand the different parts uh, one after the other, and then when you put them back together, something crazy happens because uh, now you're not using a product, you're um, uh, using the ideas behind them, and uh, mm. that's to me that's the the I mean is the key idea of science, right? You mm. break things apart, you you mess with mess with them, you you destroy them, you you you, you rearrange them in different positions, and then what you the new thing that you get is uh, uh, somehow more powerful, powerful not because of its function, but because of your understanding of it. Right. That's a really good way of explaining it. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, it's it's that's a great um, great insight. That's cool. Um, maybe Megan, maybe you can explain uh, what attracted you to modular. Uh, well, not yet uh, the building of it, but <laughs> <laughs> the building of modules. But, uh, uh, you'll get to it. I will get there. <laughs> Give me one year. <laughs> no, uh, what attracted? I I think. Um, the endless possibilities i think yeah to to um to build something yourself and to choose whatever you want whatever you like put it together and take out what you don't like sell it again and yeah it's just endless and um it really gave my creativity a a boost so that's what i was looking for and it worked. <laughs> yeah. Compared to what? Can you tell us a bit about uh, your background? What, I mean, what you did before, uh, what tools you were using, what, uh, et cetera, and what brought you to, to Modular and how, how it yeah. changed? Uh, well, I was using uh, some hardware like uh, a Minilog or the Rhythm and some software also. Um, but I, I got kind of stuck because I thought, well, if I make music, then I always had the feeling I uh, had to be able to reproduce it. I don't know why, but for a life purpose, I think that was stuck in my head and was trying to get out of that a bit. And then I discovered uh, a plugin called Cycles by Slate & Ash. I don't know if you know it. It's really cool. It's uh, granular uh, oriented and I got really fascinated by uh yeah, by all the, the granular stuff inside it. And I thought, well, I want I want to do that myself. And then I I found the um the R bar from Instro. And I was like, I I I want this. Mm. And then I slowly got deeper and deeper before I even got one module. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't know if I 
if I want to do this because out of protection, I think <laughs> for myself. But um, yeah, there was no way back. And when I got my first module, it became more and more. <laughs> so yeah. How did you learn? Sorry. How did you learn? Um, you yeah, by by doing lots of re research and uh, asking people who I've known since I think about a year from Instagram, uh, YouTube videos, just asking people about it and just do it. So, just yeah. explore it, basically. Yeah, yeah, just explore it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so uh, what I mean, everybody who builds a, uh, a modular um, constantly, it's always a work in, in progress, right? It's always in flux, how you put your case together and what it should do. Yeah. So what is what did you have a kind of strategy in advance like uh, did you have a, a, a sort of like a purpose for it should it do sequences or just sound manipulation or did you want to use exclusively modular so how, did you have an idea how to approach it like an idea about your instrument basically because that's what you're doing right you're building an instrument yeah. you're putting an instrument Yeah you're, yeah you're building an instrument well yeah. I was I was uh, drawn to the to the soundscape and effect more granular and effects side of it, but um, I, I didn't really have a plan. Yeah, my plan was to to not go <laughs> go that far uh, with it, but I didn't really have a plan. My plan was to have fun and to um, that it would spark my creativity again, and um, it did. So I I was like, okay, so I can expand my modules or I can keep it down but it, it gave me so much ideas and so many ideas and made me so happy so I chose to discover some more modules and so did, did you get everything one by one or did you get a whole case filled up fairly quickly no one by one but I think uh, how long ago did I start I think 10 months this is from 10 months and there are already a few modules which don't fit anymore. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, I'm trying to get to know what, what I have um, better uh, before buying new uh, new modules because that's also really important to to get something out of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, it can be it can become a, a trap, you know, like because uh, yeah. sometimes if you if you're um, if you're working the, in this way, there's there are always occasions when you think, hmm, what if I had a module that could do this and this and this, and that's yeah. that's obviously or that's usually a good reason to look into something, yeah. but it can also work the other way around. Like if you're if you're just bored or don't don't have a good day. Um, you know, you, before you know, your finger is hovering over a buy button somewhere to, <laughs> you know, to get something that might give you the inspiration, you know. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, I mean, that, uh, I haven't bought any new modules for, for a long time. You know, I'm just doing, using the what I have because that's, yeah. um, you know, there's no excuse, man. You know, if, 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 if you have a, a pretty solid setup, you know, um, you know the combinations and the systems you can build with it are are pretty much endless. You know, so yeah, if, yeah. You know, it's it's much more fun to just keep exploring what you can do with with yeah. your existing. Um, I, I I do rearrange stuff, you know, but you know it's better to just uh, uh, keep on the sort of exploratory 
road and uh, just uh, come up with new ideas with the existing uh, yeah. stuff that you have available. Yeah. I think anyway, for me, that works like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Sorry, it's what? Has... No, go on. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no, I was, was going to say, I find it always kind of weird how people um, can get very into kind of these sort of single, all these kind of, sort of multifunction models, modules, or they'll be saying, what module should I have for a kick drum? Like, it's a, it's a modular synthesizer. There's a million ways you can make a kick drum move with it. Um, and there's that sort of, I always worry about the kind of shopping, shopping for a sound kind of thing where people people are like, I want this sound. What do I need? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just yeah, and that 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 the sort of experience of of I find most interesting is when you go into it and like, well, I I want to make this. What am I supposed? To, you know, what can I do that will make it will make it do that? And that 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 experience of just patching everything into everything that I always find so kind of. You know, when you when you realize you can use like a quantizer as a bit crusher, because that's all a, all the, all a quantizer a bit crusher is. Uh, I remember realizing that really, and you were just like, "Wow, okay, this is very." Being able to use something that has one thing written on it and using it for something completely completely different is what what I've always found so kind of just so intriguing about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, you describe yourself as more like the instrument builder and not really the musician. But how do you then decide what to build next? Is it something that comes from your, uh, you know, from your customers, or is it just uh, um, uh, something that has to do with sort of like a technical insight? Maybe if if I can design this, it might be useful for other people. How, where do, where those it's, come? Those where those those ideas come from? It's kind of. I mean, it's always something something different, but it. It's kind of something that I. Uh, it's something that I want myself, or I'm interested in myself, um, and that ideally doesn't exist, doesn't exist in the same way. So sometimes it's like a really practical, simple thing. Like I, I got one of these really small kind of lunchbox style cases, uh, and you know it would run off battery power. I was like, okay, this is fine, but this doesn't. How do I plug my headphones into it? And how do I have a mixer? I don't want to take a whole slot of that to put a mixer in it. And then actually, I also need a clock to run sequences off it. And I don't want to have like a an oscillator or an LFO just to run a clock for sequencer. So I'm then like, okay, I'm going to design a little module that is a little tiny mixer that you can mix kind of five or six channels into that you can plug like a, a Volker or something else into. Anna's got a little tap tempo clock at the top of it. And it was literally just, I want this thing for a really small case. Uh, and I literally kind of built one, so the mixer part on kind of strip board, which they do kind of prototypes and stuff. And I was using that for kind of a year or two, just at exactly, exactly for that. Um, and then you think, okay, maybe somebody else would want this as well. Um, and I, and I, I always just kind of, something out so so the, all my stuff is sold through this company called Thonk who are kind of DIY kind of record label in in Brighton and I will always just kind of ring Steve up and say yeah, I've made this thing or I'll set, just send them usually I'll just send him one and he'll get this thing through the post and I'll be like I don't know if anyone's going to want this or if it will be something 
and and sometimes he's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. We should order, you know, two hundred fifty of them. I'm like, really? I mean, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, should we start with like a hundred and see where we go from there? Because I'd, I'd I'd hate the idea of him sitting there with a whole stock of them, like and nobody wanting them. Um, but other times it's literally like literally I was I was on Instagram. And I was looking, you know, Soundgas, that company that sells these incredibly kind of rare collectible vintage gear. Um, and they do a, they do a, um, their kind of spring reverb, that, that kind of Grampian spring reverb I mean, recreation they've done. And anyway, so watching this video and it has this big flashing like incandescent light bulb in it just like you have inside a mini Moog where you overload the mini Moog and you get this light flash. Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool. I'd like, <laughs> I'd like one of those. <laughs> I want something like that. And, and just started thinking about it and thinking about that feedback circuit that you have in a mini Moog for the overdrive. And literally just like, right, I'm going to make myself one of those. And I have a little for you, your rack module that is exactly that. It's that circuit from a mini Moog with a couple of other things in it. And again, I was just like, this is interesting and kind of, I want this. And sort of finally got around to kind of publishing and releasing that, um, you know, a few months ago. Uh, and yeah, people seem to really like it. And they, you know, <laughs> loads of people suddenly pop up on Instagram with little crazy flashing incandescent light bulbs in the middle of their modular. Uh, and, you know, it's the over, it turns out the overdrive in it is really nice and it does sound good as well. Um, but it, sometimes it's just those kind of weird ideas where you just think, I, I, I'm interested in something that would do that. Um, and once you, once you learn the, the ability to make something like that, suddenly you have this power that you can, you can make things like that. It's exactly the same as with Matthias. He, once you learn to write code to make things happen, uh, you, you're able to do that kind of quite, you know, relatively quickly. Um, so it's, it's, it's that, it's wanting something and then making it really. How wonderful. <laughs> I mean, you know, thinking of something, Hey, I want that. And then you, you just make it. That's, that's, uh, that's amazing an amazing ability. So can you, can you just kind of run us through the process f from where the idea happens, uh, to a product? Because it's a bit yeah. of a mystery sometimes, you know, like we, we, people, who shop for these things, they can see all the all the modules. And every, of course, we know that it's like takes people soldering and trying things out and, and everything. But what is exactly your your process? So it's really it's really kind of um, it varies a lot for different things. So you, you sometimes uh, sometimes I will just have a really clear idea of what I want to make. Um, the thing I find really interesting, and I'm sure you again, Matthias, you'll have found this when you're designing these things. Of, it's this weird kind of multi-layer thing. So, you're designing the actual kind of electronics, which sometimes is difficult and complicated. Sometimes it's kind of straightforward. Then you're designing the panel. Then you're designing the kind of interface, and you're doing all of those things kind of simultaneously. And then you're probably doing research at the same time. So I'll be sort of I'm interested in this thing. I've tried this, but what have other people done in this area that is different? What's uh, you know, the theories about this? Is the history about this? Is there right places I can get those ideas from? Um, and it all sort of comes together. Um, 
you're doing it all at the same time. That's what I find so interesting. So it's not like I am writing an article and you're sitting and you write the article and the article finishes. You're doing all of these multiple things at the same time. And, and it often is a very extended process. So it can be you kind of have an idea and there's kind of things in all the drawers around here where I would have like had an idea. You make it, it sort of works, but maybe it doesn't work. You kind of lose interest in it. And then two years later you go, you know, that thing was interesting. Or sometimes you have something that just takes much, much longer than it should should take. You know, it's like it takes two or three years because you get distracted or because you know, you just, it's that you often have breaks in it, or it can just, you know, you can, you can go down blind alleys, you try something, you spend three, three or four months kind of developing something, and then you just kind of lose interest in it and you move on to something else. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that I'm not doing this full time as my core kind of revenue. Um, so I can sort of say, right, I'm going to spend, I'll like work on this between sort of six o'clock and eight o'clock in the mornings sometimes. And you can spend three months doing that and then you end up with this thing and you're like, I don't, I don't really want that anymore. <laughs> I'm not in love with that anymore. And then you move on to something else, you get distracted, you do something else and then you may often come back. But I mean, the process, the, the literal process is you, you, you design the electronics, which you might do on a kind of prototype. You might, you might. Uh, there's a thing called breadboard where you just put the components in. You can run electricity through it, and it, it, it's really good for just quickly kind of crafting something. Then you go into this whole process of designing the circuit board in this kind of weird, horrible software that you use to do circuit boards. That is a really long kind of learning process, and once you've learned it you get like Stockholm syndrome. So you just, <laughs> you spend so long learning it. You're like, I, I can't move to another system and I want to do this. And it becomes, it's very kind of, part of that process is really meditative because you have to literally like, you know, if you imagine a circuit board, all these kind of tiny little traces that are flowing around the circuit board, you have to, as a human being, put them in place. So it's this kind of, two-dimensional sort of pattern you're kind of creating and it's a really interesting kind of meditative thing to do it becomes quite you you develop kind of quite strong aesthetic opinions about the way your circuit boards look if i look back at the early circuit boards they just look disgusting and horrible and, and weird to me and if i look at more recent ones i'm like oh yeah that kind of looks all right and when you're in that you do it over a kind of few weeks period usually when you're really focused on it and you start seeing these shapes everywhere. Like if you're walking down the street and if there are... If <laughs> like there when are you like, play a computer oh, game too long. <laughs> exactly like that. You see, you see like drain pipes coming down a building and you're going, oh, look, they're... Oh, oh, man. Oh, that's a good pattern. And it, it's a really funny kind of intense sort of very... I really enjoy that part of it. It's a really kind of meditative part of the process. And then you send it off to... Like I will often send it off to China to get the circuit board made. And you have this real excitement when you're waiting for the, the first board to arrive and then you, you kind of solder it together and then it doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> it's work out why it hasn't worked. And then you're in this kind of quite tedious process of like getting it right, making sure it's manufacturable, making sure it's 
you know, it's not going to cost a ridiculous amount making sure. And then for the DIY thing, there's a really interesting thing about sort of you then have to make something that somebody else can can build themselves. Mm. So you're not designing for a, for a robot. You're designing for a human and you want to you want to make it a good experience for them as they're building it. So that that's quite an interesting part of that process of thinking like with with that with that module with the um light bulb on it that's a really really simple circuit and it's designed in a way to be really simple and it's a fantastic kind of first diy project if somebody hasn't done diy before they can do that and it will work it's it's very unlikely to to go wrong it'll be a great thing for doing kind of workshops when you do that stuff so it's kind of it's funny that experience of building, trying to build something that somebody else has to be able to, to make sense of, and 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 the experience of them making it is is part of what you're, what you're sort of designing, I suppose. Lots of things to consider. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's um, actually I I'm gonna say hi to the people who are watching this and in the comments. I'm sorry we're in, ignoring you. Uh, <laughs> that's what we usually do. But I saw one. Um, I think this is oh oh hi everyone. Yeah. Um, I saw one from uh, our friend Split, Split Radix. Um, are you using Spice? So uh, Spice, for those who don't know, is this, is this really, yes, I, I didn't know that's what it actually stood for. But yeah, oh. it's, a, it's a really sophisticated, <laughs> like quite old school computer program for simulating um, circuits. So if you're like a proper professional electronic engineer you would build exactly that you'd build the whole circuit in this and the the versions of it i've seen are often like command line like really kind of it's like a programming language or something uh and no i don't use that because i'm not clever enough to work <laughs> it out i generally use actually there's a there's a browser-based really simple circuit simulator that i use all the time for just like Will a transistor do this? Will, a, will an op amp do this? What voltages should I get out when I build this? And you literally just kind of patch it together in the in the browser, and it will run like the circuit. So you do that sort of first of all just to see how something might work, and then you might try because you can do that very very quickly because it's just sort of software and it's like drag and drop thing. Uh, so no, I don't use Spice because it's too complicated for me. <laughs> Fair enough. You um, go. I do use Eagle. Eagle's the thing I have Stockholm Syndrome with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, one thing that just popped in my mind, like um, uh, since you have access to this wonderful um, GRM Studios environment, do you draw any inspiration from the the beautiful classic uh, synths and gear that you find around you there for, you know, your development work? Uh, well, you know... Uh, I'm I'm um, I, I'm ashamed to say that, but I've been I've been at GRM for more more than a year now, and I haven't found time to like hang out in the studios like I'm <laughs> doing right now, and checking out the the the, the synth. I was telling you before uh, offline that uh, 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 setting up the studio for this uh, for for this uh, uh, live chat, I found the synthy. Uh, in a, in a, in, on the shelf here, and uh, I had half an hour, so I, I plugged it in and tried it, and it was my first time. 
No, it's really a shame, but I haven't had time. It's a it's a very busy uh, uh, schedule around here, and I, I I haven't found the time. But you know, so um, uh, the instruments here are are um, uh, in two categories: either uh, extremely modern computer based. Uh, uh, the GRM tools that I'm the, the, the developer of now. Uh, I mean, extremely modern. I mean, from the modern computer era, let's say. And uh, since that uh, were uh, brought back uh, from uh, uh, storage or from uh, people, composers, uh, at GRM for other composers to use, uh, pretty recently, actually. So... Um, so either very old uh, or very new, but there's not, nothing in between. So here you won't find, I don't think we have a DX7, for example, which <laughs> should be, uh, should be in, in, in a drawer somewhere in any studios in the world. Right? Mm. Is, is there a GRM archive? I mean, do they, do they have everything going back in history or is it, is it are they not being good with that? I don't know the history so well uh, yet, but I think, unfortunately, they they had in the studios at the Maison de la Radio on the other side of the street of where we are now, uh, they had a lot of hardware, but in the 90s, they dumped a lot of it uh, because our composers got to uh, 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 go back home with them. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because it was the the, the the digital revolution, and if you go, for example, in the studio just uh, uh, the the next door here, uh, the studio A, which is the main uh, um, the main um, um, specialization studio, it's basically a computer, a desk, some um, uh, uh, mastering equipment uh, like I have behind me, and uh, and. Uh, uh, loud, uh, an octophonic uh, setup of like loudspeakers, and that, that's it. Nice. Well, do people wear lab coats at your? <laughs> 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 uh, I might suggest it tomorrow morning. Yeah, exactly. Dress code. Yeah, <laughs> Matthias' dress code. Oh, we're very. Di- uh, uh, GRM is very uh, is a di- very diverse set of people with, with regards to expertise, etc. There are composers. Uh, our director, for example, is a composer. Uh, I myself kind of is too. Uh, am too. Um, uh, there are technicians uh, that uh, take care of the studios, take care of the concerts. We have a huge um, uh, for people who don't uh, don't, don't know GRM. Uh, we so we welcome musicians in the studios uh, in uh, as. Uh, part of residencies pro- program, either for um, um, uh, commissions uh, from uh, our own festivals or from other festivals in the world. We make exchanges also of, uh, of, uh, of uh, residencies. Uh, and we have a, a, a big season of, uh, of concerts, so uh, three or four different uh, festivals. Uh, throughout the years, are, are you very competitive with Aircam? Ah. <laughs> I, I kind of imagine it's like it's like a um, like you know nineteen fifties gangs. You'd be like you know having fights in the streets of Paris. 
fights on the streets. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 thankfully, we're not uh, close. We're not very close physically, so that doesn't happen. Like in the middle of the Beaubourg Square, no, yeah. no, no riots, no riots between Jim and Jerem. It's kind of uh, David and Goliath. Uh, yeah. So which one are you? Uh, we're we're David. You're David. Okay. Yes. For example, um, uh, like uh, I'm um, so uh, I'm 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 developed. I'm I'm doing scientific research and uh, development uh, here at Jerem. I, I developed the, the GRM tools and other stuff uh, uh, and maintain them, but also I have a, uh, I mean, I, I keep uh, close contact with the research community in uh, uh, DSP, um, uh, computer science, etc., uh, audio people, uh, acoustics. Uh, and I'm, uh, we're two of us in this, posi in this uh, position of uh, like hard science, uh, applied hard science. Um, uh, at Ilkam, they have a, a lab of uh, 150 researchers. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. There's no there. So there was a time in history in the 70s and and, and 80s where there was a big uh, uh, com com competition between Ilkam and, right, and yeah. Jerem. But I guess each. Uh, find found their own uh, niches, their own mm -hmm. ecological their ecological niches, and, uh, both artistically and uh, scientifically. So uh, the re the research the scientific research is uh, uh, much uh, smaller here and uh, much more um, uh, um, uh, focused on the creative tools. Whereas IRCAM now nowadays uh, invests a lot of effort into um, uh, 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 appli industrial applications of uh, audio technology that they develop. Right. Yeah. Uh, they have a whole thing about like you know uh, cancel cancellation and uh, um, uh, spatialization in binaural etc. They have a whole team for that. And uh, we we. Uh, we develop uh, uh, the tools that we we cannot afford to uh, like deploy such a scientific um, uh, effort, uh, and instead we focus on the tools that the musicians here in the studios uh, will be able to use eventually. Okay, so so in a sense, your environment is uh, influencing or does have uh, some kind of inspiration for the direction in which the the tools are are developed. Yes, that, I mean, yeah. uh, it was the case before I was here. I was yeah. uh, build, building instruments for uh, my own music uh, creation or for my own music uh, curiosity. And here it's basically the same. The, the, the only difference is that uh, I'm not uh, the only one in my room, uh, 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 <laughs> in my bedroom coding at night. And uh, I can, uh, it, it hasn't happened yet, but uh, uh, I'm, 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 uh, Super excited! For example, of the day, uh, I'll be able to install uh, my software or install my own uh, creations uh, in the studios here, and leave the the the, the 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 composers that come here be the beta beta testers. This will be an immense joy. Awesome! Yeah. So, what what are what are some of the new 
or the current um, research fields in in audio because um, obviously space, spatial audio is a is a is a thing. What, yeah. what what would you say? What would you say is cutting edge at the moment? What is the what one of the um, sort of really new things that are? Well, being... you know, it's a huge uh, it's a huge area. There are a lot of different things. Um, uh, music information retrieval is one of them. Uh, you know, it's the process of uh, it's what happens when you ask Siri what the what the tune is and put on your loudspeaker, okay. or like. Uh, search an immense database of music for uh, that particular phrase or that particular mood or uh, things like that. Like, uh, so this is uh, very hot at uh, IRCAM right now. Um, on the analysis synthesis side of things, I've heard recently that, um, uh, unfortunately, I, I hope I'm uh, uh, contractually allowed to say that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> scoops, scoops. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of the research in synthesis nowadays is um, uh, is uh, uh, goes towards uh, int uh, artificial intelligence and neural networks. Oh, okay. So the stuff that's going to put me and Megan out of a job, uh, basically. Yeah. Okay. Bye. No, of course <laughs> never. Of course, don't believe what they say. It's not. Of course not. <laughs> it will never work. <laughs> really? Do you think so? I mean, I can imagine um, applications for which uh, a, generate, a generated piece of music will just do fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I always wonder about those those Spotify kind of chill piano playlists. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or basically um, uh, Spotify suggesting uh, playlists after... Uh, the user has searched for an artist. Those could easily be replaced by sort of mock-offs, mocks, you know, of, of uh, something in the same style, which is not by an artist, yeah. but by an AI, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think, but that's my personal opinion, uh, not, uh, not, uh, not everyone's, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's hugely overrated. It yeah. Won't, it won't be, a, it won't be a, a applied uh, outside of what you just described, like basic mm. standard uh, piano, blah blah blah, that's uh, used for elevators. Yeah, yeah. elevator music. <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, you know, the um, once once these become actual tools um, available to people, you could you could also imagine that uh, uh, you know people like us are going to use it uh, in a you know to a, to a creative advantage you know instead of uh, just uh, having it generate sort of generic content or whatever yeah i can't wait to be honest you know really yeah yeah just uh, yeah just to see what you can do with it yeah always always looking the experience of the, of the software that do, that do a little bit of ai right now well you know there's baked ai baked into many things already like in pl some plugins you know there are they can analyze things and for example there's e e eq analyzation or analytics that you can apply to other things I don't find them particularly useful, to be honest, you know, but you can abuse them and, and uh, <laughs> that way they become interesting, mm. um, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, most of the, uh, I guess the, the 
approach that that um, most musicians take is much more, you know, what can I do with this tool and how can I use it to my advantage? How can I abuse it? What is the range? How can I can I possibly get out of this range? You know, stuff like like you said before with the instruments that you uh, that you modified. But um, that is that is true for any anybody who is making music. You know, you just try to you know work towards an aesthetic or a mood or a feeling or whatever and um uh, you basically use the tools to get there and um if it means you have to abuse them or use them in a diff in a way that they were not supposed to be used you know then that's it you know that's fine so that, in, in that would be the same approach with with any any technology that exactly. you get your hands on you know yeah no, exactly uh, yeah but so i think it's it's hard for ai to 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 um, create a mood or a feeling, I think that's what's what's lacking. Artificial intelligence, you can use it, but it's it's. I think it's not really able to create that as a human can do. Maybe maybe it will be able to, or maybe it's already uh, kind of on the verge of doing that, but uh, not the kind of mood. I think still, just my opinion. Uh, uh, not the kind of mood we uh, our sort of uh, of uh, of, uh, of musician. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it, it will be possible to get like nice droney stuff or piano music or even stuff that sounds like uh, another artist or a copy of an artist. But you know what? What music event? You know, in the end, music has uh, a context associated to it you know it's the person who makes it it's the attitude of yeah. the music it's the context in which the music is being played or um you know the story around the the piece you know is, is yeah. equally important uh, as the as what you actually hear you know and yeah. uh, sometimes your ears can be tricked into into something and you think you're listening to a human and you're actually listening to uh, some generated piece of audio but um I don't know if that's as interesting as knowing it f coming from from an actual person, you know, with a with ideas and a whole body of work to compare it to and to see the development of an artist and stuff like that. That that will all be lacking in. Yeah, um, that's what I meant in, with in the, the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to to me, uh, conceptually, not uh, not judging the result or anything, but conceptually, what uh, what I reject. Completely is the fact that uh, the uh, it's not generative music that you're producing with these tools. It's uh, basically uh, all of or uh, ninety nine percent of AI research today is based on imitation. Mm -hmm. you, you provide a huge corpus of uh, blah of uh, text of new of music of whatever, and you let the computer. Uh, learn imperfectly from it so not learn by heart you don't uh, give it you, you you restrain it you 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 not you don't give it enough memory to learn the thing by heart the thing that you're looking for uh so it it learns but uh, a bit fuzzily and then you uh, you ask him you you ask it to uh, uh reproduce uh, badly imitate badly <laughs> what it had, had has learned that's really the from what I know, the bottom line of uh, of, uh, of uh, neural networks. And isn't that, isn't yeah. that the human creative process for lots of musicians, though? 
how many how many great bands started out trying to copy another band and not getting it right <laughs> whenever you read interviews with band like traditional bands they always describe exactly that process like we want well, to you sound know, like craft work but it ended up being <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah like a, a bad copy uh, is is always a, a good idea yeah i mean the yeah i think you know nobody invented music there's no single musician who is who has invented something entirely new it's always an interpretation of whatever has be, has come before you know so of course you draw from whatever um, um that surrounds you everything you've ever heard you know and then you basically make your own version or your own interpretation of it and you put in your own ideas and you know gradually you learn to to find your voice eventually and and find your 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 way of, of articulating yourself right and um so there's always an an element of uh uh copying what's already there or using patterns or or uh, methods or whatever that have been invented by other people you know so there's just no other way around there's just no other way to do it you can't invent something completely new you know it's always connected to the the history of what has come before that's that's the context you were talking about yeah 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 i agree but uh, some people make make a big big step um i see i see tom looking doubtful <laughs> what do you think i, think, I mean uh, i think it's the, the other interesting thing about it is once it's a once it's a computer it is infinitely scalable so you could if you generated, if you write something that can generate plausible music, play plausible Western pop music, you can then say, right, press this button, give me four and a half million of them. Mm -hmm. And you can say, right, we've got Spotify, and we then run it into a classification and recommendation engine. And then you've got four and a half million songs generated. You know, in a sure, of and there's a business. There's definitely a business model in that, you know, because the, yeah, you, the accounting doesn't need to be uh, to to an, an actual uh, artist, but to the, you know, the not even if, if Spotify would do that themselves, you know, invest in that technology, and I'm sure make, they, I'm sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> if you can make four million songs by pressing a button, then you can. Yeah. If you get paid 0.03 per per stream or whatever, <laughs> yeah. that's that's great business. That's really yeah. good. But it would be interesting, to, you know, what we don't know is whether that would be, e even if kind of musically, technically, it was like indistinguishable from music made by a human, would it work as something people would want to listen to? Would people build that emotional connection? Would people define their, person their personality through that? All the things that music gives people. If yeah, you because, were able to just generate it. Yeah. Because there's no culture behind it. It's just uh, it's just the the audio, basically the artifact, and not not yeah. the, the culture. Yeah. Yeah, and it may be that people are mostly buying the culture. Yeah. It's certainly, it's a good, it's a pretty good chunk of it, anyway, isn't it? It's not yeah. Like... Yeah. Well, but Tom, the business model is not, uh, you know, uh, paying the the zero zero point three cents to. The generated music—it's not having to pay the artist. That is the, that's the you know, so not <laughs> yeah. having to account yeah. to so and all the, record the, the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and there is—I did think it was so fascinating that story with those playlists, where it was—it was somebody analyzed those kind of ambient chill or the kind of lo-fi beats playlists, 
where you don't necessarily know who the artists are. It's not like hits at all. And they found all these artists within them that don't exist anywhere else. And whether they just pay a session person to record it, mm. you can see, yeah, they, they can produce that infinitely, I think. Because at the moment, if somebody gets on one of those playlists, suddenly they they are getting streamed really significantly amounts and, and must be making literally tens of pounds from it. <laughs> literally tens of pounds. <laughs> but... But let's talk about actual artists, you know, or people have with ideas. So uh, <laughs> maybe uh, um, I'm interested, Megan. When when uh, when I hear you play, you seem to be drawing it from thin air, and you're always like uh, very much going by your intuition. Do you, do you have when when you start working on something? What is what is your starting point? Oh, my starting point. Well, sometimes it starts when I just want to empty my head and I, I I have this idea and I'm like okay I just want to chill out for a bit and soundscape and and then I I'm, I create something and I, I hear new things in my head so um, that's why I uh, wanted the, the Westlicht performer sequencer because then I can easily um, dial in what I hear in my head it's just, it looks a lot like Ableton I think well at least that's how it works for me um, so that's the that's the the part I like uh, dialing in what I hear in my head, and then there's a part left to just experiment um, further and further until. So you hear it, you hear things in your head. So is that because there is already something going on, or do they just pop into your head out of nowhere? Yeah, they pop into my head when I I usually start with a with a, a soundscape ish thing so um it's often morphogen or um or the r bar and then or i record uh, some synths or my electric guitar into them it's also that's also something i really like to do uh, and then i mangle it and i yeah i just hear a, a bass line for instance and then i i dial that in or uh or sometimes I, I'm like, well, let's see what marbles does. That generates stuff for stuff for you, and then yeah, ideas pop into my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so do, it's you not do you feel you can you can actually? Because I, I I know that feeling. I, I sometimes, uh, especially when you have something going already, you know, you can sort of imagine these things that can yeah. go along with it but yeah. I, I i never get it exactly like that you know <laughs> yes it's, yeah it's it's i think it's part of the process sometimes it doesn't work or sometimes you make a, a mistake which turns out to be great and you're like oh that and then you're yeah i don't know it, it i think it mostly works like that for me mm. I, I never think up front, I'm now. I'm going to make this and and um, follow those rules. Or uh, I I mostly do what I feel at that moment. And well, lately it it has been a lot of yeah. If you want to put a label on it, ambient stuff, mm -hmm. but, but it can also go uh, somewhere like a, a techno song. Or, mm. You know, it it depends on what my mood is. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, yeah I, 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 uh, I understand what you're saying. Um, um, and it's it's a really um, yeah I like to, that that sometimes I I worked with you it's it seems like that you are just coming up with things and uh, so yeah. th there must be something uh, subconscious going on as well yeah I, yeah I I think you might see me constantly <laughs> thinking and I, yeah it's just how I work I'm constantly thinking and hearing stuff in my head and that's I think that's that's really cool because I'm I'm making some kind of a trip too while making music but it's it's uh what is hard for me is finishing something because i'm always uh creating and then when it comes to finishing stuff that's that's but i think what your way of finishing something is um just do it as fast as possible after you've made the music right you told me when i came to store lab that you like to finish things as quickly as possible because mm. otherwise they will be there for a few months maybe well That's as, what, as soon as possible me doesn't mean it, 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 it I give myself a limited amount of time but I yeah. I, I, I take care of the um, the fact that I always need to find I need to retain the motivation and and inspiration yeah. towards um, you know all the way towards the end you know yeah and if at some point I start losing that, uh, you know, the the initial feeling or this motivation or this this uh, momentum, then I know I should either you know bin it or or finish it as quick as possible, yeah, you know, yeah, or yeah. just leave it leave <laughs> yeah. it like it is in the state where it's in at that moment because uh, you can you can cross over a line where you are basically just spending time uh making it worse you know and and mm. and program all the life out of it and uh kind of ruin um you know killing the initial spark you know i i really yeah. want to retain and capture that spark that i had yeah. when i started it and sometimes that means that i need to finish it quickly and other times it it means that i um just have to make choices what stuff i'm working on and what stuff to not bother about you know yeah um but I have a st I, I, I basically the, the knowing this I, I spend time um, thinking about setups and and patches and stuff like that in advance so that's a whole different uh, stage of how I make things so I first put a setup together and that's that's a uh, um, like in a very enjoyable process by itself you know it's like a, yeah. uh, like the pre-fun you know like things like what would happen if I do this or that and if yeah. I put these things together and you know run this through this and manipulate it with that and it's stuff like that you know that's like that gives me like a joy just to think about it without ever hearing what it's going to do but just you know uh, think about these uh, you know the possibilities you can yeah. sort of dream up you know and um, yeah they kind of they kind of already steer the the the, the music in, in a certain direction because you've chosen to start with a certain system yeah. uh, or an instrument or a patch or whatever you would call it. And, um, and then um, because it is all well laid out and the patch is fresh, you know, you know everything about it because sometimes if you leave something, if you make something too big or you leave it around, uh, you have to kind of remind yourself how it was working, you know, and I, I like to do it with a, with a fresh uh, system. And then, uh, and then I just uh, go to the intuitive part and just, you know, block my my thoughts and just uh, basically act intuitively, and just find 
you know, explore the range of the instrument, explore what I can do with it and find things. And that comes together quite quickly because I made a choice just to focus on this thing. You know, I don't get distracted by what if I could do this or this or this. I just keep, you know, I just stick to what I've chosen as the instrument or as the setup. And and that way things come together quite quickly. Um, and um, and yeah, I, I like to, you know, it, it also sort of flows and happens sort of intuitively and naturally. And I often find stuff that come together in this way uh, the most enjoyable to listen to because it has this, um, oops, we lost a, um, okay, oh, well, let's let's hope he comes back. <laughs> I didn't Tom, see Tom, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so that's oh, he, he's back. Hey, you're back. What happened? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, it was just a, a two second scare, so <laughs> let's let's forget about it. Anyway, so so yeah, I like to capture the um, uh, a moment, you know, like a moment in time, which where things just happened and uh, were not too planned out and not too yeah. not too much thinking, and uh, and as long as I capture these moments, I can decide afterwards to really enhance what's going on and to you know layer it, layer it and spend time on on the manipulation of the sound and and the, the mix and the depth and and stuff like that, you know, so. Um, but at least it has this uh, initial spark, this spontaneity captured already. Um, so that's what I mean by fast. And, and, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I'm curious. Um, where so? Where do you draw the line? You seem to make a distinction uh, between uh, like creating, making music, and then finishing. Uh, What's the what, uh, what's the artifact, for example, from the first uh, from the first step? What what do you get out of it, very concretely? Like, is it a, a two two hour jam? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, it can be two hours of uh, evolving stuff. Like it basically uh, it starts in one form and it gradually morphs into something else, and then and it ends up as something completely different. But it can also be uh, working towards a, a more structured and more sort of um, um, uh, intricate version of what I started without w w started out with, you know. So it could be it, it could be just one idea uh, which is sort of building and and becoming more complex uh, towards the end of the jam. That could be, but it could also be something completely different the way uh, the way it started out. It's basically just exploring, you know. Just you go. You just let the music guide, and sometimes, you know, when or very often, when you start with something that sort of already points in a certain direction, and and then you just try to uh, enhance it and and uh, you know make the idea more pronounced or more articulate. And are you doing that in a, in a? Is that done in a fundamentally in a live way? So when you talk about it in real time, thing, yeah, in real yeah. time, yeah, yeah, because that's presumably quite a different approach from. Lots of musicians would work in a much more kind of programming loops computer kind of way, I guess. Yeah, or is, or well, I mean, it can be it it's it can be loopy, you know, but it it is not. Uh, it's it, it it can also be incremental, but it's still uh, all happening in real time because I want to capture those movements that I, I that happen during the. You know, it's like a performance, and and some you know you you can of course you can 
uh, get the same type of movement when you are doing all that in post or when you've already recorded uh, your multitrack or your stems or whatever. But it, I just don't like that process, you know. You're spending ages and ages, you know, yeah. moving dots around and, and shit like that. You know, that's just boring. I'd rather capture a live performed um, version of that. And when it's when it's done, it's done. You know, when I feel it, it's um, it's uh, I'm happy. And then it, I don't have to do anything uh, anything after that. You know, but you know, except to enhance the the sound and you know, getting rid of problems and you know, maybe even moving things around you know from elsewhere in the in the recording you know it, it, but it gives you like a lot of material to work with and it all it's all recorded in real time so you you know if you even if you spend two hours jamming on something uh you have shitloads of stuff to work with you know and have you have you always worked in that way or is that something that's changed over the years uh i when i think yeah i mean i used I started with hardware sequencers and and then I moved to you know Atari Cubase and you know trackers and stuff, and uh, I've always had the computer involved as um, uh, to work on timeline you know to work be able to work on a timeline, uh, but most of the time, uh, even even if I had that to my disposal, most of the arrangements that I've done for all of the, all of the music that I've done are have some form of you know working on the desk dub style muting things and affecting things and having capturing a performance along with um, whatever was programmed so it hasn't changed that much um yeah the tools have changed but i i just like the uh, yeah the act of capturing capturing a moment you know and and it's very hard to capture a moment if everything is just you know uh, punching in dots and <laughs> yeah. Because I I always remember seeing, like when the when the drum and bass people were starting in in you know seeing that that idea of that kind of hyper edited, what seemed to me and I never never having done it and never having been kind of involved in the that scene in that way but that that idea of creating these kind of hyper edited chunks of music that it, it seemed like an incredibly different different approach and i, I just think because you you talk to so many musicians how is your approach common to lots of people working that same way or are you are you are there kind of two or three different ways people work or there are a hundred as many musicians as there are yeah everybody everybody has their own method you know i don't know anybody who has the exact same approach but um i think in recent times with so much uh, you know affordable hardware being available and modular systems uh, a lot of people have have um, moved to recording things in somewhat live you know like it, it i mean it's inherent to the machines you're using right if you if you have machines that that are that you can program in step mode and and have looping and you know uh then it's just a it's just an easy way to to start your uh, start your idea basically, and of course you know you can you can once it's inside a computer uh, you can chop it up and 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 spend as much time as you want uh, making it real very very complicated. I've done that too. I've done a lot of hyper editing type things as well, but um, you know they were basically then uh, put together from chunks that had in somewhere in the process some performance aspect to them. You know, um, and How? and I, and I think that's true for most people. I think no, there, there are people making things exclusively 
uh, inside uh, the computer by uh, you know drawing things and, and copying things over and you know repeating things and stuff uh, you know on a micro scale even um, but um, yeah and most people I talk to have some performance element somewhere in the process and I, I, I was really wondering whether Matthias whether that's a similar approach uh, well, that's uh, something you do. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I have to ask. I have to ask you more questions uh, before I can answer that. <laughs> no, but I mean, for let's say, let's say, let's say your your um, uh, the music you release, right? It's um, very. There's a lot of attention paid to sound design, uh, but is it? Uh, are you at never ever during the process? Uh, you know, improvising with like uh, sweeps of sounds or, you know, laying things down with your hands or is everything just, you know, building blocks and stuff like that? No, no, it's it's uh, uh, 99.99% of the time. It's uh, 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 little chunks, not even complete jams as you describe, but uh, little chunks of interesting sounds that I record and put into a database of, uh, of uh, like they can be they can be half a second or half an hour, uh, but uh, uh, I have a whole database of these uh, uh, patches uh, that were interesting at some point, played live or just like you know turning on the the, the modular and going to the bathroom and co coming back five minutes <laughs> after and pressing stop, not yeah. knowing even what happened before the, uh, uh, in the meantime. But it's always that. It's always chunks of uh, sounds. Uh, it's a. I realize now that it's a very uh, GRM way to, uh, to to create music. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, you have a collection. Your your wealth is your collection of sounds of, of sound objects uh, that are not um, uh, uh, music objects uh, already. Just sounds that are interesting in some in, in some form and. Uh, and and then I, I I basically I forget about uh, about them, I put them on a the hard drive. They lay down for a month, years maybe, uh, and when only when I completely forgot uh, where they're coming from, like what created them, uh, where I recorded them, um, uh, what was the patch, uh, etc. Can I can I allow myself to use them? I, very rarely, like, do a, a some kind of improvisation or a patch that uh, that's it. That's a musical idea from the start, and then uh, and, and then make us directly make us uh, a, a piece out of it. So it's more like collaging, the way you work, making yeah, a collage. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. But still, you say that that some of the stuff that you record is coming from. Uh, you tweaking a patch, so there is this performance thing, but it's 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 sort of um, uh, it comes into the music uh, eventually, but without a direct relation to the other stuff that's going on. But it is it does have some kind of uh, human input. Uh, yeah, the original because, sound. Yeah, because the sound is interesting, not because I'm hearing music. No, like, okay. if right. I tweak the thing. Uh, if, if I if I uh, input something myself, it's uh, uh, very rarely because I can imagine the the, 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 the full music. But uh, all, uh, 
the most often because I uh, uh, because uh, it's a uh, uh, yes it's a space it's a multi-dimensional space uh, each dimension is a knob or a part of a, or a function and uh, it's a space that uh, I'm exploring and uh, not so I'm, I'm, I'm tracing a a little path inside this uh, multi-dimensional space uh, 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 and it's not music related yet it's pre-music <laughs> but what I struggle the question I wanted to ask you uh, all I guess is what I struggle the most with is uh, where in the in the in the creation process does uh, structure arise like how does it emerge? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Megan, you were describing uh, uh, like layering, layering sounds and uh, finding moods that you like, and it's very easy with the modular synth to uh, have a, to, or not, not very easy, but uh, I mean, it's uh, accessible to uh, like recreate some mood that you like. But then to make a song, to make a, a piece, you have to. Uh, uh, you have to have structure or decide not to have one. But uh, uh, for you guys, where does that happen? Uh, at, at what, ta- at what uh, uh, um, uh, uh, step in the creative process does it happen? That's a good question. Megan, do you, do you, yeah. can you talk about this? Um, I think for me, it's, it's happening while I'm creating. So I'm, I'm, I'm building, um, building, stuff together so you could see it as a big loop full of um full of different modules different sounds or soundscapes or uh drums and um then i i try to do that live also so i yeah i use my intuition i think to build it a pre-music is my job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I um, uh, pull things out again and uh, put stuff back in again, and then I, it's yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just. Would you call? Would you put this finishing uh, in the finishing uh, step of the process you were talking about before, or in the main creative one? Mm, I think in the creating part, not not so much. But when I'm I'm um, planning on making it a track, then I will start with one element and then I gradually add stuff. Or it, yeah, it depends on on the mood and my intuition. So that's why I also think the first recording is always the best because it's it's, <laughs> it's capturing your feeling. I, I um, uh, have one example when I recorded my first live set for uh, for YouTube. I had to do that, I think, six times because of problems with my laptop, problems with everything. And then after six times, I was like, it took the life out of it a bit. It still sounded okay, but um, yeah, the first moments when you are creating it, it's the best, I think. It's just a feeling of when you can take stuff out or when you put certain effects on it to, to create this space and... Yeah. So I don't. I, yeah. It's so, part yeah. of the process, but also. 
Yeah, I, <clears throat> I guess I, I, I have a similar way of, because you know, you you ask where the structure arises. Well, sometimes. Uh, because of the nature of the instruments, you know, you start out with something that repeats, and and you think of changes that kind of need to happen at some point, and then you, you know you can you can go about it and and kind of slowly move towards the this sort of other state of where you think this music could go, uh, and then in the end process you could decide okay let's just you know. Uh, uh, make this uh, transition more abrupt or or even slower or you know that that is something that that is um, it's pretty much open till the end in my case you know so the the actual uh, order in which things happen um, I have an intuition for it uh, and it's and it but it kind of uh, reveals itself you know it's like yeah. um, you know there needs to be attention throughout the whole thing there needs to be a story or something a, a dynamic in the way it develops and and if uh sometimes that can be very literal like hard scenes you know like uh, going from one scene one space into the other one and sometimes it's nicer for the that particular piece or of music to just gradually move from one scene to the other i i describe them as scenes because you know if you have a combination and a setting of of sounds i I often I often think of them as a space, you know. Okay, so now I'm here. This is what's happening. This is what it looks like. You know, you have a you have something uh, left, right, uh, front, back, uh, up, down. You know, like even if it's not really that way, but it's it it describes like a, a scene. You know, it's yeah. like uh, you you are somewhere, and then um, you can you can feel the need to to radically cut like a movie to you know a t completely different scene or <laughs> or just maybe just morph slowly into the into the other space you know that can be you know if that's what it requires to keep it interesting then that's the choice you know it is whatever keeps it interesting basically <laughs> and um um you know because the music itself or the the process causes the 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 the, the elements of the music to uh, to emerge, kind of, because it's it's being performed in a way, or it's it, there's a life element to it. Uh, these things also emerge. These things also arise. You know, like um, oh, maybe I can do this with the structure. You know, and then uh, you know, or you ha or you have this feeling. Okay, now this space is interesting, but something radical needs to happen. So I need to create another one to come after this one. You know, something like this. I mean, it's it's all very it's all very um, um, described in in uh, in you know fluffy terms. The way I'm saying it now, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. But um, so that decision. Uh, that decision of uh, changing spaces, changing radically space, for example. Yeah. Uh, do you have to have? Do you have to know the idea of the whole song in order to take it? You know uh, what? Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I mean that that is another thing that is that is sometimes uh, most of the time actually is is just also just an intuitive thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's it's inherent to the way it is coming together that uh, most of the things, you know, it, I'm not following like a composition. It's not written out in advance and then I'm performing it. It is basically coming along uh, during the ride, you know, and uh, and yeah, it is just the imagination that tells you what would happen if I 
if I make this move or this change or and then you try it out and if it works it works and if it doesn't you try something else you know so it's it, it there is a yeah I would say it's 90% intuitive and you know uh, of course you know if you if you spend a lot of time creating stuff uh, you develop like a uh, um, yeah, um, for uh, more intuition for for where things should go, you know. Because I don't know about you, uh, you guys, but um, you know, y uh, when you're working with your imagination, you you uh, get like this intuition about how things should be in your head, or where things belong, or how um, yeah, how you can develop things. You know, there are certain ways to. Uh, to make it all work, you know, and that's that, that is something you become better at when when you have more experience. Um, you know, the key thing is to always keep an open mind. Okay, if I do this, what would happen? You know, and just explore, even explore that aspect of making music. Because there's also that uh, there's the flip side of that, which is when you you realize you're just doing the same same moves over and over again, which is certainly you know, something I I found with things like when I do writing, when you're writing articles, you realize I was actually writing a whole bunch of articles for a, for a book recently. And I read back over them and realized that three of them essentially had exactly the same intro. intro. <laughs> <laughs> and at each point I'd written them and I thought they were an interesting, you know, imaginative way to, to express what I was saying. Writings but about it was just, and, so, and so, what did you do? What did you do? Did you end up I changing? Just got it? rid of the yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the same. That's the I same think with I making music. The first one as well, because I realized it was a mistake <laughs> as well. It's like. Yeah, but it's exactly what you described, Tom. It's the same thing, you know. Once you realize, ah, I'm actually, uh, you know, I've pulled this trick before, you know, I'm repeating myself, you know, that that's that can be a very good reason just to bin it, you know, and, and just to start over yeah. and and do it, you know. And there's always the hunger to, uh, I mean, you know, there's nothing is as bad as the feeling uh, you get from you, you know, of yourself that you're doing a thing that you that you're doing a trick basically you know that or or yeah. you're repeating a pattern that you've done before so there's as soon as you start recognizing that as soon as you get that smell you know oh shit i've been here before <laughs> then it's okay let's take a different turn see what happens you know it's it's but the it's same that, inqu inquisitive or sort of uh uh curiosity that drives that i guess it's it's, it's interesting that balance between the the learning and the experience and the as you said, you, you're training your intuition almost, which feels like it's training it to make better decisions. Yeah. In some ways. But at the same time, you're at the same time building a repertoire of decisions you're making. There's a real balance between those two things, I, was, I always feel, between the things you, you learn and you're good at and you're, you're expert in. Yeah, but when, it comes, when you're it, just yeah, I know, but I I don't think it's it's bad or it hurts to to uh, kind of develop this vocab vocabulary of solutions, you know. Yeah. and and if yeah. it is it is still up to the to uh, your your mood or your um, uh, uh, ambition or whatever you would call it, uh, you know, to use them or not, you know. If if you feel like yeah. you you're you know, sometimes you can use use a trick that you've used before, um, if it's not really bothering, or you using it in a different context, and it's fine. Yeah. It's it's disguised as something else or something. You know, that's fine. Uh, but if it's obviously the same thing and you're repeating yourself, and then and yeah, it you can still do that. But if if that's not if you put the bars you know higher than that, then you decide to. 
you know, to sort of uh, go back into your imagination and pull something else, if you know what I mean. I think that vocabulary solutions is exactly the right. You know, it's 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 learning the palette, isn't it? Learning the things you can do at each point. It. I'm gonna do a T-shirt with that vocabulary of intuition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but okay. Let's go back to Matthias then, because if you are if you are assembling things uh, from uh, like a library, you know. Um, is is there a, like is there still like a room for intuition, or is it purely um, um, a very rational way of putting things together? Then uh, it's not rational at all. I, mm. I, very much not. <laughs> Megan, okay. Megan, it's it's funny. You're uh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> Megan. You, you were fading out as as uh, fading out as the sun was setting. <laughs> I was fading out. Yeah. I'm back again. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, it's 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 not a it's it's not rationalized at all. I mean, um, especially when you uh, when you uh, uh, re-listen to uh, to these little bits uh, to this uh, library of sound that uh, you have no idea where uh, anymore where they're coming from or or what created them, etc. Uh, then the, the, the only thing that, that matters is what happens if I uh, layer this on top of this or if I uh, uh, could put them side by side, uh, what will happen to my ear? And it's then it's not rational at all. It's just a conversation between uh, your ears and uh, the material that's not really yours anymore. You see what I mean? It's mm -hmm. not... Uh, um, I mean, when I listen to these uh, sounds again after a long time, uh, they're not mine anymore. They're they're just sounds on a hard drive, and they they don't uh, uh, they don't mean anything to me. That uh, they I don't I don't know when I created them, what mood I was in, in the, at that time. So it's very much a process that's uh, 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 I mean radically uh, uh, intuitive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, you because the context is is already stripped. It's like you can yeah. use them as as something entirely new. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, do you do you also have a certain way of archiving uh, the things yeah. you make? Because how how do you <laughs> do that? I mean, to me, the 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 worse it is, the better it is. Uh, Okay, so you like to stumble upon things, like uh, yeah. you like to rediscover yeah. them. Oh, if, okay. I, if I if I if I start, I, so they're they're all on your desktop then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> I mean, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, if, if I start to, uh, I started, I, I started this process before of, of like labeling things and uh, yeah. uh, putting uh, keywords and uh, moods, etc. And it never works. It never mm. works because. Uh, 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 then you're searching for a special special mood, and yeah. you're searching for a special, and you're going, uh, you're, you're uh, uh, leaving out, leaving out uh, uh, all of the discoveries, uh, and basically not even that, but you're leaving out even the thing that you could have done because uh, 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 the labeling is never perfect and depends on the moment where you're making it. Etc. So, mm -hmm. 
someone knows. Yeah, you you narrow down you narrow down the the amount of possibilities if you if you just uh, restrict yourself to one category. Of course, yeah. yeah. yeah so you know it's just about the discovery, also for you rediscovering. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that's the story of um, Williams Mix by uh, John Cage? Uh, yeah. <laughs> just reminded me you're talking about the way. way so he he wrote a um a score which is a full size it's all on tape and it's all cut to tape so he wrote the score which was showing exactly how you would edit the tape with like tiny tiny little tape edits like you know less than a centimeter across and he drew the tape edits full size so the score is pages and pages of of, it's like about six minutes or so, the, the, the finished piece. And then he got somebody to compile a library of sounds in different categories. So he had like sounds of nature, sounds of musical instruments, sounds of amplified small sounds, all this kind of thing. And he, it was um, Louis and Babe Barron did a lot of that recording for him. This was in the 50s, I think. So they end up with this mass of tape with sounds recorded on it and this score completely detailed that's been drawn out with no notion of what's on the tape it'll just say like this is a type one sounds a type two and then him and like I, I can't remember who was in the group who did it. it was like three or four people spent three months <laughs> i think literally editing this piecing tape, it together like piecing the whole thing together not randomly not chaotically according to this plan that he had laid out uh, and the people who did it are like, you know, they're famous artists, I think. Well, I can't remember who was in the group, but they, they spent all this time doing it. And then they end up with this piece of tape that's about six minutes long. And, I mean, when you hear it, it, it is a really extraordinary-sounding thing. I mean, it's extraordinary now. What it must have sounded like in the 1950s when they... You know, because I think we can all electronically kind of imagine, okay, if you just cut across a whole bunch of random sounds very quickly you can kind of imagine what it sounds like but just as, as an undertaking it just seems like such an extraordinary thing and yeah, that's when you just turn off the, <clears throat> the, the the intention the intention yeah i mean you know the radical thing about that is that i mean we all do things like that you know we we uh, we put things on random and just to see what happens you know but it's basically uh one push of a button to put things in in random yeah. mode and you can kind of stumble upon really nice ideas but if it takes three months to actually you know to then find out if it if it sounds like shit you know you've wasted three months it's like <laughs> it's a pretty big uh you know um investment in uh in in the whole work uh to to do it like that but it you know it's uh it's it's a uh, I admire that to be honest, but it. I'm still talking about <laughs> it. But, but, but what if what if <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah of course but, um, yeah I mean it, it's a uh, there's a, a risk associated to it. <laughs> but that, if it turns out, reminds, yeah. There's another interesting thing I want to I want to ask ask you about as 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 sort of proper practicing musicians. One of the things I'm really interested in is is about uh, repetition and sort of the effect that has on the way people perceive music. So there's that, there's a, a Brian Eno story where he records like four minutes of him wandering around kind of Hyde Park or something in London, just like a field recording. Uh, and then he listens to it over and over and over and over again. 
And he described how as he learnt it and it became repetitive and it became a piece of music that he or a piece of sound that he understood, it developed mm -hmm. a whole kind of narrative, it developed emotional resonance, it developed so he would know something was about to happen mm. and he would respond to that in some way. And I just thought that was so fascinating, the idea of taking a an arbitrary piece of sound and converting it into music by listening to it lots of times. And I wondered what your impressions of that, you know, because you, you must have that experience if you've listened to a piece of music lots of times when you're creating it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And somebody well, else hears it for the first, yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, um, there it, it is interesting to, to fiddle around and, and explore when something that is repetitive uh, is obviously uh, repetitive. Um, because, you know, if you loop something for half a second, it's obviously, you know, it's almost stuttering, you know, and it's, it's obviously uh, repeating very fast. But when you lengthen the loop, you know, what is the, where's the point where something becomes, um, you know, something like uh, not a loop, <laughs> you know, like when, when do you lose the feeling of this thing being repetitive? Why and does it become uh, a verse? Sorry? When does it become a verse or a chorus rather than... Yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that, that's one thing that, that you, you can experiment with. But, um, um, of course, if you loop... Anything you loop becomes musical at some point, you know. And there's just a, there is just a, um, a maximum to how long the loop can be to, for it to stay uh, a story or a musical thing, you know. I mean, I don't think that is... Um, um, yeah, I mean that's just the way you perceive things and how much you can remember about your the first time, the first pass of the of the audio or something that you can actually uh, capture in your brain, you know. Um, so if you loop something that is five minutes, you have to listen to it for days until you start yeah. on recognizing the pattern, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean anything between a second or a few seconds. Uh, or you know, even up to like half a minute can become musical very easily. It happens in in on different scales for us. I I, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure I under I understood your question correctly, Tom. But it, I suppose to, I'm, uh, I suppose I'm interested in the way it, in that in that idea that it can convert almost anything into music. Yeah. It's to a me, it just seems, seems really magical that that that. Yeah. Why it's, is that process in your brain to do that? Well, that's pattern recognition. That is one of the default, you know, things that brains <laughs> do. You know. Yeah. But so the danger for us, I guess, is um, uh, uh, even if we don't make rep repetitive music, if, even if we don't have loops in our music, uh, we listen to our songs twenty, forty, a hundred times in a row. So in, in, in that sense, uh, it can become uh, 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 extremely frustrating and extremely boring for, for us after a while to listen to the same thing. Or it can even become uh, uh, like meta music, music uh, 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 you know, the repetition of our own songs working on it uh, can hide, uh, can hide the uh, 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 too much simplicity, for example, it can become music because of our own repetition when we build it. Yeah, mm. if you have this experience too. 
Uh, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, the problem is with hearing things too much. I, I become bored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it. I, I would. I would. Is you know, not the other way around. I wouldn't become more interested because I'm hearing it for a long time. I would become less in, less interested. You know, that's just because I'm impatient and I just want to get on with it and I uh, don't like to sit dwell on one uh, stats. You know, state of the music for too long. You know, uh, if you know what I mean. Do you have that experience of learn when you when you learn to love an album so you have an album when the first first few times you hear it you don't like it yeah. and then after after you've heard it 20 times i remember yeah. it was it was an enormous difference when you used to when you used to have to pay money up front <laughs> to buy a piece of music i remember i'd go to the go to the shop and you'd buy an album for six pounds or whatever an album cost then and you'd spend all this money on it you were going to listen to it at least like six or seven times because you'd spend money on it <laughs> whereas now you click on something on on uh, you know on Bandcamp or whatever you skip through a couple of yeah don't like that move on mm -mm. and you you that 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 process of learning music i think is also really interesting and, and must well have a, buying an album you know a physical album is is a form of commitment as well so uh, you you give yourself more time to to appreciate it i guess and it's if it's if it's too easy to skip to the next song because it doesn't cost you anything or it doesn't require any any commitment, then you might lose out on on experiencing some great music. So sometimes it's just good to uh, to give it a, give it a try, you know, or multiple times. I wonder if there are different of this, Tom. Or Sorry, uh, do you have an example of this, like an album that you you you, you that you grew to love? I think with loads of records, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to albums from a long time ago, but I think I think there's definitely lots and lots of music where I will hear it once, and you might be like, "I am intrigued. I want to go and listen to that again, maybe." But then, when you've listened to it twenty times, you think it's an incredible piece of music because you've learnt you've learned it i mean i think learning is the way the only way i can think of to say it but well the other way of saying it is that you you get like experienced attached to it you know experiences or emotions you know the more the more you listen to something the more uh, um memories or the more uh external things that are outside of the music get it get associated uh, yeah, to it yeah yeah but also uh it's that whole tension of between between. I mean, that's uh, on the the album uh, uh, listening experience, but also on the creation of a little bit of music. Uh, the whole tension between. Uh, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my word. Um, uh, being be, being able to foresee what's coming. Uh, yeah. Predictability, predicted yeah. predictability, and and surprises, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a fun. I just think psychologically, it's really like like <laughs> I don't want to watch a film ten times, but, but there album. are albums I've listened to a hundred times, yeah. you know, or more. Yeah, but I think that's also the medium. You know, uh, yeah. films are more. You know, they're they're uh, uh, speaking to more than one uh, sense. You know, like audio leaves room for interpretation. You can make your own images when you're listening to audio, and film basically occupies more of your. Um, um your senses basically and so it's more literal yeah yeah 
I mean, the story can still be some of something of a mystery or be you know open for interpretation. But you know, your it's it's vision and it's audio and and it's more yeah, it's more direct. You know, and audio it leaves way more room, especially electronic music or abstract electronic music leaves shitloads of space open for interpretation. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. But I've experienced a lot was um, uh, hearing uh, music for the first time uh, uh, in a concert situation. Uh, even 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 here at, at Jerem, uh, uh, listening to a piece, a tape tape music piece, uh, for the first time on the acousmonium, so in a in a concert hall situation, uh, and then re-listening to it uh, to the, the exact same tape afterwards. And not even recognizing it. Like yeah. yeah. Oh well, you know, th there's so many things. I mean, you, how how your brain can play tricks on you. I mean, your your hearing is a very powerful uh, instrument, but your brain and imagination is way more powerful, and yeah. that's how these things happen. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, Megan, when you were saying earlier about how you're listening to when you're making music, you will hear things within the music that then is it things that aren't necessarily there that lead you to then try and create those sounds or. Yeah, I'm mo most of the times I'm, I'm trying to create them or I have an, an idea of how I would like to sound. Uh, to be, it's it's most of the times it's a, a combination between knowing, uh, knowing it already and hearing everything about about one sound, or I think okay, this, for example, I choose a module, uh, let's say rings, for example, of which I can know, uh, which I know can do the sound, but sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's also uh, what Jochum says: just use your imagination and let it. How do you say that? Evolve into something else. So it depends, I think. Yeah, I hear I hear certain things and other things um, come come in later. Just when you hear a new part that doesn't exist. But uh, you hear it in your head on top of the music you have at a certain sometimes, point. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Where do you think this sound comes from? Mm, yeah, that's a good question, yeah. You mean, where do you think the sound in my head comes from? Yeah. Or... Is it from your cultural uh, background, your, 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 uh, your music culture? Oh, Is that's a great from... question. I don't know. I think I, I think I always had it somewhere. When I was a little kid, I was always making sounds and always, I don't know, I think it, it's, it, it has been there for a long time, but it's, I've never thought about it, actually. You should talk to Elon Musk and get one of these brain connection things. <laughs> so we can all enjoy the sounds you hear in your head. Yeah, <laughs> I will ask, I will text him. <laughs> yeah, I remember this scene yeah. from this uh, a long time with Abba. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you you may you, you might know the, the the TV show Treme. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah, the um, uh, New Orleans thing. New Orleans, yes. There's a there's a scene there that always uh, uh, intrigued me 
a musician that uh, invents a new song and, and he's very proud of it and he, like, as a, a singer-songwriter and he plays it everywhere and uh, he's very proud of it and suddenly someone uh, 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 not sues him but uh, 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 claims the paternity of the sound of the song and it's actually exactly the same song with the exact same melody uh, in a different situation and the musician is devastated because uh, uh, he, he thought this idea was coming from his head. Actually, it was coming from his memory or something. Mm. But, uh, uh, where Where's the boundary? <laughs> it was the opposite of what happened, supposedly, what happened to Paul McCartney. He basically woke, woke up with yesterday in his head that he had <laughs> written, kind of sat down and wrote it and, and set it down. And for weeks was like, well, obviously I haven't written the song. This is obviously somebody that's something else. You know, ah. I had to be persuaded that it was actually he had actually research. You know, you put to people and they're like, no, I've never heard that before. That is that is, you know, I don't think that's something else. Well, I mean, it says something about the how how instantly relatable that sound is. That song mm. is. Mm. You know, if even the composer thinks, "Oh, I must have heard this before," <laughs> that's yeah. that's the the ultimate relatability uh, of of a piece of music, right? Thankfully, he, he didn't trash it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how does it work for you, Matthias, when you are uh, creating music? Is it like you 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 make something and then you always look for um, existing things you already recorded or are you oh, are you also doing that live or are you also very about, okay, what, what fits very seldomly uh, I mean for for my uh, creative process the, I mean the the weird uh, position that I ended up uh, in right now in my creative process um, what what works for me is um, not being the the not being the 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 master of my own music. My own my music creates itself by like assembling stuff. I'm just a listener uh, that uh, uh, like like all the others uh, who gets to decide uh, this we keep, this we trash, or this we keep, this we trash. Right. Okay. Well, then I think we're we're, we're full circle because you were really wondering about the sort of uh, real time intuitive nature of the way Megan and I put things together. But now you're saying that basically you are as much uh, a spectator of what's happening um, uh, how, when your music comes together as the performer or as the, the maker, uh, which essentially is the same, you know, because the, we, we get the, the thrill out of, out of uh, making something um, in real time or more like in, in sort of recording mode uh, and then putting sort of finishing it and, and putting it together uh, because, you know, it... It has it has that same aspect, you know. It has that same uh, relationship with, with the music because you are witnessing it becoming something as a spectator, as well as the creator itself, you know. So you're both at the same time, and now you're, you're basically telling us that's the process that you follow as well. Somebody wants the synthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's my safety? Do have it. An alarm of some, of some kind. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, okay. Oh, don't worry. We don't hear it. Oh, do you have to go? Do you have to step out of the building? Apparently not. Okay. 
If you see smoke, run. Yeah. So <laughs> take the Sinti take the Sinti and run. Yeah, yeah, take the Sinti and run. <laughs> well, I think the entire desk it's gonna take a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was feeling that uh, we, uh like uh in your approach of uh, uh uh jamming with the instruments uh you were more in control uh than uh, what I am when I'm assembling Oh no. No, 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 okay. no, there, there, yeah, there is, there is uh, like a finger spitzengefühl associated with it, you know, so like a sense of control, but, um, and you can, but as much as you explore the range in advance of, of an instrument, you never really get exactly what you want, you know, it's still, still you're, you're coming along on the ride, you know, and, and you're a spectator in a certain, in a certain way as well. Um, anyway. Um yeah. Deep stuff guys. Really enjoy yeah, this. Interesting <laughs> yeah. to interesting to know your your way of working, Matthias. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, interesting yeah, yeah. Um we're hitting uh, two hours, people, and I think uh maybe we should uh, go into the section where we can all uh make people aware of our current projects or upcoming things uh maybe matthias wants to start and um and tell people where they can find your stuff what you've got coming up or have done yeah sure it, uh, uh i have an album out uh that you talked about uh earlier. yeah check it out people uh it's um it's um Oh, just Google my name. You'll find it easily. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. It's called the Geography of Absence. It's out. Uh, it's out this month on a, on a Parisian label called Nal, and um, it should be should be in, uh, in in your shop or ask for it if you if, if you want it or or it's uh, uh, it's online. That's the that's that's the newest thing. Cool. Nice one. Uh, Tom, anything you want to share? Anything coming up for you? Uh, I just, as I said, sort of two things that I sort of finally finished and published. I call it, call it published because that's my background. So I didn't publish them really. I, I finished them and, and put them out to the world. That you can, so everything I produce, you can buy from uh, Thonk, as I said, in Brighton, uh, who does ship to everywhere in Europe. Uh, and it does get to most people quite quickly. Um, uh, but the, the newest thing is that module, which is called Mini Drive, which is the drive circuit for a Mini Moog, and is a very small, easy, cheap thing to do if you've never actually made a DIY module yourself. It's probably the best way to start. Awesome. Uh, I uh, must add something for Tom because yeah, maybe maybe you're too uh, shy to to mention it, but you. You guys should definitely check out Tom's uh, Medium uh, uh, blog, which is absolutely awesome. A lot of oh. uh, uh, very interesting projects. <laughs> I just love going there, especially each each uh, end of the year, right, Tom? You have yeah. a list of things you learned during that year. It's hilarious uh, <laughs> and very uh, very serious and very uh, very informative, and um, uh, yeah. I, I I admire that that that, uh, that your writings very much. Oh, thank you. I will put a link. I'll put a link to that up that you can that you can share as well for that. Yeah. 
Cool. Thanks uh, for the extra extra uh, plug, uh, Matthias. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Megan, anything from you? Um, yeah, I'm working on an album right now. Um, and the rest I'm going to keep a little bit secret because uh, it was <laughs> the tip Sander gave me. No, <laughs> no I'm working on an album, um, which is a lot of fun. And um, I'm doing a project with an artist, a Dutch artist called uh, Chitska Osterholt for uh, Duo Tone. Um, and that's um, a collaboration between, um, yeah, she, um, artists and musicians. Uh, so I will make a track and she will make an artwork uh, based on the track. What we do it, I send her something and she sends me something and then we, it gradually evolves to this collaboration and that's what we are working on right now so it's it should be finished soon and then uh, maybe there will be an ex exposition you call it in english an exposition if we are allowed to so I'm not sure yet okay sounds what interesting about you, what about you johan uh well there's always lots of things going on but there are also some things i cannot talk about because uh they <laughs> but um generally um uh yeah i would say um for this one i would say check out uh, our discord server because that's a nice place to hang out with uh, uh, people who are doing what we do making music, uh, just finding out about other people's music and, you know, music technology, inspiration, blah, 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 all that stuff. Really nice place to be. And the other thing that I want to bring under the attention is our uh, Patreon page where you can uh, you can say hi and support us if you like this these chats or you can get sound packs in the higher tiers or even masterclasses and uh, stuff like that. So... That's it for now, but I have a lot of stuff coming up, so uh, I'll talk about it when the time is right for that. <laughs> um, so yes, thanks again, uh, Matthias, Tom and Megan. Really lovely to have you as my guests and really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, yeah, I, hope, I hope you did too. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. That was so, nice to meet you. Matthias yeah, and nice to meet you all. Um, so have, have a good night, everybody. See you later. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye-bye.